Good day. You are listening to a special interview series hosted by Free City Radio that is taking place in collaboration with a conference and concert in Montreal called Music and Anti-Fascism, Reflections on the Past and Possibilities in the Present. So this is an interview series that I'm hosting um, in collaboration with this conference. I'm Stefan Christophe and host Free City Radio. Uh, We, of course, are a weekly radio program and podcast. This interview series is basically conversations I've had with artists reflecting on their own creative practice, but also their relationship to activism. These interviews feature musicians who are joining a concert in July 2022 as part of this conference. And I wanted to take the opportunity to speak with artists about their practice, their work, and the intersections between their musical ideas and their musical practices and activism within this time of urgency when it comes to struggles for justice, when it comes to struggles against fascism internationally. It was great to get to record these interviews with an awesome set of artists here in the city, in Montreal. In this conversation, I spoke with musician, curator, um, arts organizer, James Goddard. Um, James uh, plays in many uh, initiatives, projects, bands, including the Egyptian Cotton Orchestra, has a solo project called Skin Tone and uh, performs with many other groups uh, and projects uh, around the city and also outside of Montreal, of course. This is a conversation we had. uh, I think it touches on a bunch of really uh, important points, the ways that people are actively learning and developing skills in an autonomous community-based way within independent arts organizing, Also, the ways that um, the notions of quote-unquote political and non-political music are being challenged today. The conversation is excellent, so I'll just leave it uh, to stand as it is. Thanks, James, for uh, the exchange. Okay, so we are in Montreal. Um, It is quite hot, and there's a lot of pollination plants. I'm sitting outside with James Goddard, uh, who is a musician, a curator, cultural organizer, and plays with this group, Egyptian Cotton Orchestra. And you have a project called Skin Tone. And I'm sure you've played in so many ensembles for like shows that you can't maybe remember, but hi. Hi. Um, Hi, Stefan. Uh, Yeah, no, I've played in a lot of different projects over the years, but um, yeah, I guess my main one these, well, I don't even know, but one of my main ones these days is Egyptian Cotton Orchestra, and the other one is Skin Tone, but I'm also playing with this NPNP trio with Mm. um, a couple people, and um, it's a trio. We actually got the cops called on us at a rehearsal, and it was funny. Um, we were rehearsing like we thought it was like a perfect time we're like let's do like late afternoon so we were doing like 3 to 5 p.m. and so we do we're running the set and then we hear this banging at the door and it's like okay like when we finish running the set and it's uh, it's this industrial building 183 uh, Chemin Bates where actually Swoney did a show recently Um, but 
there's banging and then there's this like not Outremont cop TMR cop I guess that that's technically TMR there but uh, it's the same kind of deal they have their own like private cops in those neighborhoods and he's like oh it's too loud why like you why do you have 10 people jamming it's too loud and we were just a trio that, anyways that's the part i thought was funny he thought there was 10 of us but it was just uh, respect it was so just a like, trio the noise levels got up, up except it wasn't that loud i think what happened is um, there's a daycare right across oh. the street from the space and it was like pickup time for the daycare mm-hmm. and i think the um the 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 parents were just got a little they were all driving very fancy cars and so i think they yeah yeah. and so i think they were maybe uh like oh my little child is gonna be subjected to this noise when the five minutes between the door of the daycare and putting him in the car and we need to get the anyways i don't know what it was about but it was it was really silly it's also it's ridiculous if you can't make noise mm. in a commercial like industrial commercial building yeah, yeah. in the middle of the afternoon yeah. then when where where do musicians go where can they make noise well this brings like thank you for saying that like i mean it brings up such a important point about like where montreal is at right now because on the one hand the city is talking a lot about you know montreal i mean it's not a new thing but the montreal culture hub there's sort of recognition through mainstream festivals but a lot of the sort of at a grassroots level the sort of um experimentation that happens um the 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 efforts that are being made to sort of create alternative spaces where people can try out new sounds challenge musical genres also like look at the intersections of activism and and music like a lot of that happens in informal music spaces often they've faced challenges from law enforcement people maybe don't have that impression like for people listening outside about montreal can you talk a bit about that like just in the sense of because you've been involved in creating and sustaining various like diy venues Mm -hmm. um and being you know obviously performed at a lot of them um i think that maybe sometimes there's this idea that those things that's a thing of the past Mm. yeah i mean i don't i think that there's definite i don't think that it's a thing of the past i think that there's always going to be a need for informal spaces um uh for a variety of reasons, like as you pointed out, it allows for experimentation and maybe also for certain kinds of political messaging that like, mm. you know, um, well, and also certain kinds of political uh, integrity to some extent would mm. have people not wanting to work with, say, Live Nation or not wanting to work with like bigger venues or, you know, some people uh, also balk at the prospect of, you know, what it means to um like even presenting work in bars and rest you know bars and stuff you're tied to the alcohol industry you know and then that's part of it so i think there's lots of reasons why creatively there's always going to be a need for informal spaces mm-hmm. diy spaces spaces outside of i mean often ultimately these spaces also exist and or operate somewhat outside of capitalism i mean obviously nothing is full like you know there's no fully getting away from it but there's the 
they tend to be not necessarily spaces that are driven by a desire to like maximize profit sure. on ticket sales or whatever. Yeah. And I think that um, um, that appeals to people too. So yeah, I think I mean we definitely lost um, one of the stalwarts of of that of that community in. In, in, well, we're sit, sat almost right across the street from La Plante. Um, and so definitely that's a space that, you know, we no longer have access to. And then there was a series of spaces up around Beaubien and Park, uh, Drones Club and Poisson Noir that have also faded away. But, um, you know, I'm hearing about new spaces. There's like the filmmakers collective La Lumière has been doing a couple shows um, and I know that there's uh, a sort of acquaintance moved into a loft in the old port which is kind of a crazy place to think but would really like to start having some programming in that space and so I think that there's uh, a number of places I don't know I think that there's always a need for informal spaces I also think that one of the things that changed over the pandemic is as people were evaluating like risks and how that interplays with concerts and and, and what what is available a lot of people last summer and to some extent this summer got interested in putting on outdoor concerts and I think that's a that's a space too and that Mm -hmm. there's something really magical about experimental or challenging music being performed outside because it 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 there's a give you know there's an interesting people are off people often get curious who might not otherwise get exposed to that kind of uh, that kind of stuff so I think the outdoors is maybe the new hot DIY venue in Montreal but yeah these spaces also I I think there's never going to be a time when there's none of them uh, but all of these spaces do have sort of natural lifespans as well because they tend to be driven largely by volunteer labor um, and they tend to often, well, often enough they involve some sort of like work-live space, shared space, um, multi-use space, so uh, often the people who are implicated in, in supporting them uh, for a variety of reasons, you know. You can only live in a loft with like 17 other, you know, people or even seven. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, you know, for people naturally, you can get burnt out on that kind of communal living and on not having privacy and then also like your living room being turned into a concert venue every Friday. You know, there's it, it, it takes its toll. And so people often phase in and out. And then um, sometimes renewal can happen with new people, but also sometimes at a certain point it's like oh this project had this lifespan it's time for somebody else to pick up the mantle um and there we go in um social movements there's often this conversation about social movement learning and like Mm. the late scholar aziz chaudhry wrote a lot about that just about this idea that within activism but also within independent cultural work there's a lot of learning that happens Mm. right whether it's technical learning, like figuring out how do we, you know, create a sound system? How do we uh, learn how it works? How do we book an event? Um, 
for example, uh, also an event. Yeah, and then also just thinking about how do we work together, right? Like mm-hmm. the organizational structures, philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Like people might think that these sort of DIY events sort of happen and there's not a lot of thought that goes into them, but yeah. there's so much care like and challenge, culture, challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, a lot of those spaces were some of the spaces that I definitely personally had formative experiences in non-hierarchical um, collaboration. Yeah. And and I think that a lot of those spaces, at least the ones that I've been involved in, have, have privi- like have, em- have purposely pursued like with a with a great deal of intentionality to try and find out ways of working collectively that eschew hierarchy ways of working collectively that play to everyone's strength but also give everyone opportunities to try on different hats if they so choose and um and and a lot of those spaces like actively are constantly having conversations about how do we do this collectively how do we work together without a leader what does it mean how like and I think yeah so I think yeah what's the structure and you know and I there's constant struggles with that obviously and and learning and it involves a lot of meetings and you know people's Mm -hmm. schedules and so it's interesting and it's definitely a different way of well it can be a different way of doing things like often if if I I've been putting on shows in this city for 11 years now almost so if I want to put on a show I have a lot of connections and can quite easily like organize a show by myself it's another thing to try and do that with a group of five people and or six people and and have everyone's input and have everyone's uh, um, you know theorizing and and thinking about this the show so it's um, yeah, it's definitely there's a lot to be learned there and a lot of that learning is yeah, is adjacent to it's about it's political in the sense that it's about how people work together, how people communicate together um as much as it's about what is an XLR cable. <laughs> sure. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, there's definitely yeah, no, I would say that there's definitely learning an independent culture and I think a lot yeah there's definitely learning about different structures I mean I come from a background where I've like worked in co-ops and I live in a housing co-op and my mom is the co-op chair Canadian research chair so I've, I've I, I, and I've worked in community radio stations that pursued sort of non-hierarchical practices and so far as possible so I, I, I had a lot of background in that and something that's very dear to my heart is mm-hmm. this idea that we can have even large, complex organizations without necessarily having uh, a, a, a very strict hierarchy, without necessarily having um, a boss or uh, a, a leader. I think that, that, that often um, those terms and what comes along with having that seems like a good idea, but is actually counter, often counterproductive. Like organizations, I think, make their best decisions when all the voices are able to be heard mm, mm, mm. and the experimentation involved organizationally to try mm-hmm. to make that happen mm-hmm, totally totally <laughs> and the, yeah there's yeah yeah you know all sorts of different ways yeah mm-hmm. um just in terms of also like this idea that um within like a 
political, social, economic context. Like we're, we live in Montreal, Gio Giaghi. So a lot of like culture is justified through uh, financial rhetoric, right? Mm. Uh, a lot of the spaces that you're talking about are really purposely not trying to financialize mm. how culture is uh, how a cultural space is created mm. or even how a creative practice on the level of a band mm -hmm. like Egyptian cotton orchestra or even on a personal level we is do. not we do all right actually yeah. people weirdly come to our shows so we do all right but uh, sure, sure. but uh, yeah I mean it it definitely like some of this DIY spaces we were talking about and some of like the booking like I, ha I, I, I worked with a booking collective um, out of Brasserie Beaubien for a long time and um, my, my dearly departed friend Joni actually, we'd have a lot of conversations about whether to incorporate in order to pursue funding opportunities or not and what are the pros and cons of each and in many ways Joni was actually quite opposed to any kind of um, incorporation because of a, well, because of the flaws she saw in in the funding models that exist in Canada, especially for 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 independent music, um, and uh, I was more open to the personally open to the concept, and I definitely work for Swony now that gets a great deal of of public funding, um, and it's yeah, it's interesting because that creates a certain Anyways, I'm glad that public funding exists for the arts in Canada. I'm also glad that there are spaces that try to um, both provide opportunities for artists to be remunerated and that choose to exist outside of whatever the limits or, or the, um, um, the obligations that funders bring along. One thing about funders, though, is that there's an incredible administrative cost. Um, so yes you can access funding and you can access funding and you know in orders of magnitude tens hundreds of thousands of dollars but you also have to do like there there is a substantial administrative burden associated with that funding um, there's reporting there's filing they're making the applications there's filing the reports there's tracking all the data there's um, maintaining contact with the funders, there's you know there's a several layers of, of work that goes into it. So, a lot, I think a lot of DIY outfits choose to of, or they almost don't even have the choice. They know that they can't take on the administrative um, requirements of accessing funding, um, and that would also. Uh, limit and shape their organization in certain ways that they weren't necessarily comfortable with. Sometimes also when things get super like official and organized it's hard for say for example like a community activist group or like a, a local neighborhood committee that's dealing with an issue of gentrification or a campaign against police brutality or police killings to like have a space at like say a jazz festival show right mm -hmm. like people could intervene in in that as and it's happened as it has, yes famously when um oh jesus i'm blanking on the the name but when the police went to do a mental health check on somebody who was living around centre sud and um and then obviously that went how that always goes um and the, the man 
died at the hands of the cops. Then there was a protest during Jazz Fest, and and actually, uh, the, the I, I was there at participate in that protest. Then they took to the stage. I, I know, I know um, uh, Black Casper is his rap name. Um, uh, Lucas Charlie Rowe like took got on stage with a number of people and disrupted the uh, the the Jazz Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, also. The protest around it's funny it's actually funny specifically jazz fest is a lightning rod for a lot of things because there was there was that intervention around the you know police brutality and police killings and there was also you know not that same year uh but all the protests around uh the slave play um by Marcella Page and so, and there's a very interesting well interesting there's a very complicated thing going on there with Jazz Fest where it's such a giant commercial enterprise entirely run by from what I understand white people um, capitalizing not only on the historical legacy of black musics but also actual contemporary black people um, and and I don't think the people who run Jazz Fest have any have a deep understanding of any kind of obligation that they might have to include the black community and also include the black community's political voice in their programming. I don't think that that would ever cross their mind because it's it's not a dollar sign. But um, but ultimately, you know, jazz has and remains to this day a one ver one kind of protest music one kind of of uh, like it 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 is a music that has a long legacy of challenging um political structures of of being the voice or the soundtrack if you will of liberation it's that's something that jazz has and always was meant to do um so to have a festival called Jazz Fest that whether or not that how much jazz they actually program varies year to year but um, you know completely divorced from any uh, black political consciousness is a, it's a, I don't know it's an interesting statement um, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting space um, it's not necessarily something I'd feel comfortable I don't know how those dudes sleep at night well probably they have fancy Egyptian cotton sheets so in their hundred thousand dollar mansions, so maybe they sleep all right. But uh... this idea that um, a statement has to be said, mm. right? Like, so say for example, like within, you know, we going back to this point of uh, DIY culture. Like, you know, I've been at so many shows where like an activist group will have a table or like flyers or like there'll be announcements about um you know an upcoming protest or maybe even sometimes the musicians are involved in those issues right Mm -hmm. like and there's uh access Mm -hmm. right um but i think you know still you know and i'm just going to underline this point it might seem obvious to some people listening but i do think it's something i still hear this idea that there's political music and non-political music Mm -hmm. right and I mean, it's, it's perhaps like an old story, but I still think that it's a rhetoric that exists. Like, mm. or like, like, for example, with the Jazz Fest, it's like, 
oh, well, they're not making a political statement on that. But in fact, by not making, making it, they it, are. It, it, yeah, it becomes a political statement. And also, I mean, going back to, to all the um, things we were talking about before, like the modes of production are always like exist in the world and thus materially are always going to be political um, because if the cops from TMR decide we can't jam between 3 and 5 p.m. because people have to pick up their kids from daycare and it's disruptive, then um, that's... that's Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, the cop disrupted our jam, so that was... (laughs) Disrupt is involved somehow. But, you know, but that's, you know, the modes of production, and as we were talking about DIY groups coming together and working collectively all of that like maybe the lyrics do not say bring on the revolution rah 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 but um, maybe there are no lyrics Uh, but all of that work behind the scenes that goes to crafting whatever is presented there's no way for that work to ever escape politics because it's about human relations it's about human conversation and so there is, you're absolutely right, there is no music that is outside of politics and even by trying to present a sort of apolitical music or like an apolitical platform, you're necessarily either obfuscating the actual politics that are going on actively, in intent, like almost intentionally, or you're you're foolishly saying almost the opposite. You're, you know, you're you're throwing your hat in the ring for a kind of politics, a kind of um, consumerism, a kind of engagement with art that is that. Um, I mean, it 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 is political too. You think that the dollar should decide what the art is? Um, that's a choice, you know. You think that at the end of the day, selling as many tickets and getting banks to sponsor you is what's most important then you know you're you're saying hey you're giving a platform to the bank to say hey look the bank is great is the bank great i don't know do the first nations people where all the where they're drilling up all the land for oil do they think that the bank that funds those projects is great maybe not there's often i think today more and more this idea that okay, to critique this, let's say TD's investment in the coastal gasoline pipeline of TC energy on building that's being built on Wet'suwet'en land. Okay, so to critique that, you need... This is something I also still hear. Like, a musician to say something, what is that going to change? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, why are you even saying that? What's your solution? (laughs) But this idea that, like, back to this uh, importance of DIY spaces, in opening up that something's happening and maybe sometimes it's intangible Mm -hmm. but in the same way like improvised music Mm -hmm. it's like you're trying something like you're you're trying you know i don't know well yeah i mean as you as you said earlier it's like experimenting with forms and yeah so maybe la plante itself is not going to end the 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 coastal gas pipeline but Maybe the people, and this goes back to also what you were saying about social movements and learning, the people who are involved in that learn something that they can bring to a different table. You know, I know like members, I, I, my, you know, my friend um, Marcus Lake, Marcus Floats, the musician who's, who's also a member of, of 
um, of uh, Egyptian Cotton Orchestra, you know, he's been involved in many DIY spaces around town too. And, you know, and then, and now he's like deeply involved in some of the like anti or, or like tenants rights, tenants advocacy groups in Park X. And certainly, well, I don't know, I, but like certainly some of what he learned in for anybody in yeah. in collectively working on putting on shows was able to carry over into collectively working with this tenants organization to try and you know um, advocate for tenants in Park X. And so I mean that's that's one really concrete example I can give. But yeah, there's definitely intangible learnings that happen that maybe snowball. Mm after the fact or, or during or outside of so it's not um, you know and certainly places like La Plante um, and uh, um, Drones Club I mean even like certainly shows also especially independent shows provide spaces for people to gather and people to make connections and so maybe you know um, and I think that well, the gathering places are also important um, because, well, uh, this might sound redundant, but they provide an opportunity for people to come together. And I yeah. can guarantee protests were planned at concerts. <laughs> you, know? you know, like I can guarantee move mobilizations were like were like chatted over between like chatted about between between bands at concerts and that. And so creating those spaces that are that welcome people who maybe are seeking things outside of more conventional cultural offerings um, by creating those spaces and bringing them together, that also creates foments the revolution. No, but creates spaces where people can gather and, and connect and network. And that's another political activity that occurs through or adjacent to music for sure thanks for the chat james Thank you.